Section 13 of Biographical Memoir of John Wesley Powell, 1834 to 1902, by William Morris Davis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 13 The Geological Survey. In no case was Powell's capacity to turn the course of events more strikingly shown than in the organization of our present National Geological Survey. Through the 70s, the existence of several official yet independent surveys of the Western country under different departments of the government resulted in scandalous rivalries and animosities. Powell, at the head of one of these organizations, strove to reach an adjustment by mutual consent. Failing in this, he boldly advocated complete reorganization. He had advised the consolidation of the several rival surveys in 1874, and it appears to have been at his suggestion that Congress, in June 1878, called upon the National Academy of Sciences, of which he was then not a member, for advice. A committee of the Academy reported in November a plan which had been, in its main features, formulated and advocated by Powell, involving the abolition of the rival surveys and the creation of two separate bureaus, one an enlargement of the Coast Survey under the title of Coast and Interior Survey for geodetic and topographic measuration, the other a geological survey for studies of structure and resources, not of the United States, but of the public domain. All matters concerning the disposition and sale of public lands being left to the General Land Office. The present generation should be reminded that, during the discussion of the recommended organization, strong pressure was brought to bear upon Congress in favor of placing all topographic surveys in charge of the Engineer Corps of the Army, and European precedents for this plan were abundantly cited. But it was urged, on the other hand, that our needs would be better served by civil rather than military engineers, because the uses of our public domain would be much more largely in the way of peaceful settlement than of warlike campaigns. On this point, as on many others, Powell's opinion seems to have had weight. His view of the entire problem was presented in a letter as a supplement to the report of the Committee of the National Academy, and this letter the Honorable Abram S. Hewitt, then a leading member of the House of Representatives, urged all his colleagues to read, because the whole subject of reorganization of the surveys was there so much better treated than any gentleman on the floor can hope to do. The Geological Survey was established by an act of Congress on March 3, 1879. Although its work was, as noted above, limited to the public domain, the name United States Geological Survey was at once assumed. A Bureau of Ethnology was created at about the same time, but the duties of the Coast Survey and the Land Office were not changed, and no special provision was made for a topographic survey. It is significant that the law establishing the Geological Survey mentioned the classification of the public lands before the examination of their geological structure. It is significant also that, on account of Powell's active share in bringing the new survey into existence, 
he refused to be considered a candidate for its directorship. He was appointed instead to the directorship of the Bureau of Ethnology, and Clarence King, previously chief of the famous 40th Parallel Survey, was appointed director of the new Geological Survey in March 1879. He resigned two years later on the ground of preferring personal investigation to administration. Powell, believing his duty in the Bureau of Ethnology to be permanent and engrossing, had given up all thought of continuing his work as a geologist. But he was appointed director of the Geological Survey after King's resignation, while still retaining his other directorship, and returned to geological work in March 1881 with vigor and enthusiasm. Many of the activities of the Geological Survey were then, for over ten years, so characteristic of Powell's method of work that an account of them deserves an important place in a memoir of his life. The breadth of the organization reflected his native interest in comprehensive schemes and his unusual capacity in developing them. King had already secured the services of a number of geologists from the several surveys that had been disbanded, and Powell brought in still others. Thus a good volume of inherited work was quickly brought forward for publication. He had in Gilbert a wise advisor on scientific problems, and in McChesney an able aid in all financial matters. The enlistment of many professors of geology in colleges all over the country to contribute reports on subjects that they had previously studied independently showed the broadly inclusive spirit in which the development of the survey was conceived. Thus, the director secured the personal interest of many widely distributed experts in the maintenance of the survey, and at the same time brought together much accumulated knowledge in local or special fields. This was a wise step at the beginning, when the supply of well-trained young American geologists was small, but such a method of securing field geologists was outgrown half a generation later when the students of the professors of the earlier time had in good number become expert members of the survey, practiced in methods adapted to its special needs, and not distracted from its work by duties to other institutions. The standard of technical preparation expected of members in various branches of geology and topography was at the outset necessarily low, for there had been no demand to excite a well-trained supply, and the pressure of congressmen to secure places for their relatives and friends did not tend to raise the standard. But it was raised as rapidly as possible, and the survey thus reacted most helpfully on the development of the geological departments in our universities. In the meantime, if senators' nephews sometimes gained positions as camp assistants or broad men, they were seldom capable of geological work, and in any case, Powell squarely accepted all responsibility as to the character of his appointees. He wrote in the sixth annual report, quote, if, then, improper persons are employed, it is wholly the director's fault. End quote. A liberal policy was adopted regarding the exchange of the survey publications with productive geologists, whereby many an isolated worker was kept in touch with the progress of the great national undertaking. 
The early reports and monographs were, moreover, of exceptional interest and immediately commanded the admiration of the whole geological world. A sound method of business administration was developed. Powell's detailed account of it before a joint commission of Congress in 1885 made a most favorable impression on the majority of the senators and representatives who heard him. A full statement of this matter is given in systematic form in the eighth annual report, and a briefer statement of the organization of the survey was communicated to the National Academy in 1884 and printed in the American Journal of Science for February 1885. But it is the original report of the Joint Commission, an exceptionally interesting public document published in the form of questions and answers usual in such cases, that best shows Powell's close familiarity with all details of survey work and his remarkable competence in setting forth methods of administration. Those who were then members of the survey will remember how nearly everyone was for a time pressed into the work of summarizing the reports of foreign topographical and geological surveys so that the director should have precise and detailed information in his hands. His testimony illustrates how ably he used the varied material thus placed at his disposal. Powell's third report, the fourth annual report of the survey, announces that the Congressional Act making appropriations for the survey for 1882 and 83 required the preparation of a geologic map of the United States. Thus, for the first time, explicit authority was given for extending the operations of the survey over the whole country, and therewith implicit authority for the preparation of a topographic map as the necessary basis of the geologic map. Who can say how far Powell himself suggested the use of these highly significant words? Reports on topographic work were thereafter placed at the head of the list of administrative statements in the annual reports issued by Powell. The failure of Congress to establish three years before an independent topographic bureau was thus repaired, and by a curious combination of circumstances, Powell found himself in charge of both classes of work, topographic and geologic, that had been assigned to separate bureaus in the recommendation of the National Academy and of the work in the Bureau of Ethnology as well. About six years later, 1888, the conduct of an irrigation survey was also placed under his charge. Never before or since has so large and so varied a scientific responsibility been concentrated in the hands of a single governmental official at Washington. End of section 13.